2: Thank you for joining me today, and I'm very glad that you did. And we are going to talk about something that might seem kind of shallow regarding all that's been going on with the other side of the world. And so I want you to think about the fact that part of what's going on has a lot to do with how people feel about themselves. And so when we think about it in this way... Not that I'm trying to get you all to have some kind of crazy compassion, but I want you to think about in our world what happens when people don't feel good about themselves, when they don't feel like they're enough, when they don't feel like they have enough and they should have more, you know, whatever that may be. So I want you to think about this first and foremost. Let's just do the the generic part of this. There are many ways to be attractive without spending a lot of money or compromising your value system. Think about that. Lots of ways to be attractive to people without spending a whole bunch of money or compromising your value system. Because what is attractiveness? Does everyone have the ability to be attractive? See, we spend so much time and money on being attractive and wreaking havoc on ourselves trying to be attractive and then feeling like it's all in vain. So what makes people attractive? I want you to think about this. The definition of attractive is pleasing or appealing to the senses. Interesting, isn't it? This means sight, sound, smell, hearing, touch, and taste. That's how we know what is pleasing to us. And so it doesn't have a lot to do with looking like a model, you know, or being like an NFL football player or something. It has so much to do with how someone experiences you. What's the experience people get when they interact with you? Do they like what they see? Do they like the sounds that, that, that they hear when you're talking to them? Do you smell weird? Are you actually listening, hearing? And how about... Touch. Do you hug people? Do you shake their hands? Do you give them a kiss on the cheek? Whatever that is. See, think about it. What are you attracting? This is very important because many times we think we're doing what would work the best in order to get that feeling. And we find out that the ways that we are trying to attract people don't attract them at all. And so think about it. What are you attracting? Because that's an important part of you discovering what's going on in your life. Because we all have this internal world, and we think that everyone sees us or feels what we feel and knows what we know. And actually, they're all, they're all tied up inside of themselves at the same time that you are. So you want to think about, what am I attracting? Am I attracting mean people? Do I have a lot of mean people? Do I have a lot of lazy people? Do I have a lot of, I don't know, stuck up people? Do I have a lot of people that are liars? And so I want you to say to yourself, why do you have these types of people? Because if you're not a liar, then people that are lying are not going to feel comfortable around you. They're going to get the sense that, wow, she loves the truth. She talks about the truth and she walks the truth. So think about that, what are you attracting? You need to look the part, okay? You you need to be, you know, it's kind of like um, advertising. So when we see those weird people that like, you know, that guy that's the billionaire billionaire and he dresses in clothes from like Goodwill, and we think that doesn't go together. That's weird, That's that's kind of a dichotomy. And so I want you to think about if you want to attract certain things from certain types of people you might need to act in the way that they act because those are the people that you're going to feel the most comfortable with. Now, I can still care for many people that don't share the same value system that I, that I have, but we're probably not going to have intimacy. We're not going to be best friends because there isn't enough connecting places. So this is what I want you to think. Like attracts like. So what I'm like attracts other people that are like me. So we want to think about, wow, I need to act in the way that I believe is closest to who I am and most honest because that way I'm going to attract people that are like me. And when you're with people that are like you, we have a lot less, you know, struggle and we have a lot less fighting. We have a lot less, you know, not knowing if I can trust this person. So let's think about this. What, what if I'm not attracted to my spouse? Or, you know, my spouse is no longer attracted to me. Well, what is attraction? Again, how can we lose it and how can we regain it? It's a responsibility to others. Attraction isn't always about your physical appearance. What makes people attractive? Ask yourself that. What makes people attractive to you? What are the qualities that attract people? Well, for men, it's usually them being confident and contained, not ugly or dirty or vulgar. When we say he's a very attractive man, he's attractive to women and he and he gives them confidence because they feel safe with him. They can relax and do not have to like flinch because he's, you know, maybe pushing the boundaries or it's the comments behind their back, right? What is he? What, what is she seeing in him? Or why does she tolerate him? Now, we all have spouses that we know their heart and we love them. My husband, you know, he is, he's a big man. He's, he's hilarious to me. Now, I don't know if he's always hilarious to other people, but it really doesn't matter because he's, hilar- he's hilarious to me. And I know he loves me. And that helps tremendously. But in the very beginning of us dating... I thought, oh, my gosh, because I'm I'm a Christian, and I thought, I don't even think he's a Christian. What am I going to do? And it was a great growing experience for me to get to know this man and not have all those, um, what would I say, um, constructs that are like wanting, me wanting to check off all the list. It's like I had to get to know him. And when I got to know him, and he is a Christian, which is he became a Christian very early. In our relationship. And so when, when you think about it like that, I thought, wow, I'm really being more in the way that God would want me to be. I'm not trying to like check all the boxes. I'm trying to get to know this person and know their heart, know their mind, know their soul. And are they a good person? Not perfect, but good. And so, yes, he's also attractive, which that helps. But in the very beginning, I'm telling you the truth. I would have my friends are like, he's so handsome. And I'm like, really? I never really noticed it. He just has such a great sense of humor. I laughed all the time. And so we want to think about this. What, what are we attracting? And so how can we be more attractive to the people that we actually want to be with us? And so maybe it's comments behind their back. You know, like, what is she seeing in him? Or, or why does she tolerate him? You know, she could do so much better. And inversely, why did he marry her? I feel sorry for the guy. You know, he has to put up with her. What did she see in him? What did he see in her? Did she marry for money? Did he marry her because of her cleavage? <laughs> I don't know. What is it that makes someone attractive to you? Well, usually, when we get past all the, the first parts of knowing somebody, it comes down to kindness, gentleness, mercy, flexibility, hardworking, noble, honest, loyal, healthy. See, these types of things withstand, withstand the test of time. If you have those qualities, your life is going to go a lot better. You're not going to have to fix so many things. You're not going to have to explain yourself so often. And so I want you to think about this. Kindness, gentleness, mercy. How about this? Flexibility. Hardworking. Noble. Honest. Healthy. See, some of the worst things that people get in, trapped in is someone that ha- is unfaithful. And there's a spouse that maybe the spouse doesn't know it. Maybe they disrespect women. Maybe they're vulgar men. Maybe they're vulgar women. You know, and disrespectful to men. Maybe they're immature and selfish. How about this? The person that's acting like an idiot, an imbecile, or a moron. Probably not very attractive, wouldn't you agree? So we wanna think about this. We wanna say, hey, adults, you need to check the room. What's the tone? What's the aroma, the age of the people, the overall ambiance. And see, adults can form enough to get along unless it goes against their own value system. But that doesn't mean we're going to be best friends with the person. So we can tolerate people for a while, but are we going to fall in love with them? Are we going to have intimacy with them? So we need to remind ourselves, if you're in a partnership with another human, you are a representative of the partnership. So if my husband acts out in a weird way and I find out about it, we're going to have a talk because that's not that's messing up my life and he's not allowed to do that. Well, what if I'm acting out? He has a right to say to me, "You can't do that." That doesn't that that doesn't, you know, bode well for me. That's not the kind of person I am. So I want you to ask yourself, we need to remind ourselves that we're human and that you're a representative of the partnership that you're with whether it's a best friend whether it's a colleague whether it's a husband whether it's a child that you represent the people that you hang out with and we have an we really do have an obligation to the people that love us so join me in the next segment I appreciate you hearing and really being involved well welcome back you're listening to conversations with Cynthia Thank you for tuning in today. And also, I always appreciate that you, you know, really share the, the, the program with all your friends and family. And I think that this helps to give us a common language that we all kind of then are able to be more on the same page. And so we're talking about attractiveness and there are many ways to be attractive without spending a lot of money or compromising your value system. It doesn't always mean that being attractive has to do with what you look like. It's the aroma. It's who you are. It's what people experience of you. And so we spend so much time and money on being attractive and wreaking havoc on ourselves trying to be someone that we can't be or that we think we should be, could be, would be, if only then we would be happy. And so this is what I want you to think about. The definition of attractive is pleasing, Or appealing to the senses that's it pleasing or appealing that means you're you're appealing when someone looks at you when someone hears you talk whatever you smell like whatever how much you're willing to hear people out whether you touch people and so think about what you're attracting and you need to look the part See, you can relax later but it's a reality that we have to take seriously that people generally judge us by our looks first. And you wanna make sure that they can get past that and get to know you. So what happens if you're not attracted to your spouse, to your kids, maybe a coworker, you don't like being around them? Well, when we talk about what attraction is and how we can lose it and how maybe we can regain it. See, it's a responsibility to others. It's always about you know, what you present to the world, and I'm not saying to be fake. What I'm saying is you have to be willing to think about how is someone going to react if I dress this way? Is that the reaction I want? How is someone going to feel if I talk to them in this particular type of tone of voice or if I use a particular type of language? And this is where we're wanting to adjust to the person that we're engaging with, so that we don't put too many barriers in place before we ever even get to know them. So it means that we don't show up to a party like completely naked and expect that everybody likes us. No, we find out what kind of party it is, do you dress up, do you dress down, you know, should I bring food? This is part of being attractive to other people. And it isn't about how you look necessarily, I mean unless you're like a complete you know wreck, I don't know, so it, it might be the comments behind their back, you know, like things like like what's she seeing in him, or why does she tolerate him, or he could do so much better. you know, I feel sorry for that guy, you know he has to put up with her, what did she see in him, you know these kinds of things really are not helpful to us at all okay because humans are so complicated but it's really difficult to understand why someone might be attracted to another person or why they might not be attractive right how many times have you wanted to set somebody up and you thought this person is perfect for you you guys will really fit they go on a date it doesn't fit right (laughs) so because it's really a mystery you know, it's, it's comments that are made behind their back. You know, why is she seeing him? Or why does she tolerate him? You know, she could do so much better. And, and so we want to think about, hey, it's something that is inexplicable. It's a feeling. It's a sense. It's a, a, it's a feeling in your body that you relax around that person or that you look forward to that person. You think about that person. And so kindness, gentleness, Mercy, flexibility, hardworking, noble, honest, loyal, healthy. These are always attractive to humans. These qualities are always attractive. Unfaithfulness, right? And if the spouse doesn't know about it, it's devastating. If they disrespect women, if if they disrespect men, if you're a, vul, a vulgar man, a vulgar woman, you know, if, you, if you're disrespectful to somebody in front of other people that you're supposed to love, you're immature or selfish, how about these things? The person that's acting like an idiot or an imbecile or a moron and you're thinking, why are you doing this to yourself? So we need to remind ourselves, if you're in a partnership with another human, you are a representative of that partnership. That means that everywhere my husband goes, he's representing me. Everything that I do, I'm representing him. So do you want to be attractive? Are you willing to put the work into being attractive? And, you know, we go through these seasons in our country where all of a sudden, you know, remember grunge? That 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 was supposed to be somehow attractive. But what I want you to think about is you don't have to try to be Like this person that's so put together and gorgeous and wonderful and whatever. It's not about that. It's the aroma that you leave. What was their experience of you? Regardless of how you looked. Regardless of what you talked about. So being attractive is really more about you knowing you. You being on top of your own self. You recognizing subtle cues as to, hey, maybe that's not going to go over very well. Now, you know me. I, I mean, I love to laugh. It is my most favorite thing to do. And I love jokes. And I, it is just very much my favorite thing. It's not always, <laughs> it's not always like that for other people. And so I kind of have to gauge the room, right? And, and you want to think about, hey, this is another human. And I'm interacting with them, which means that no matter what I do, they're going to have a feeling about it. Now, the greatest gift I could give to someone is that their experience of me was positive and that they walk away refreshed. They walk away happy. They walk away feeling better about themselves, right? And so we have to remember what is the experience that others are having of us? What's the aroma of our life? the lingering aroma of our life and, and the courage that we bring to our willingness and our willingness to own what others experience when they're interacting with us. See, I can't just assume that everyone thinks what I think is funny. Now, I love laughing. It's my favorite thing to do. And you can laugh with anybody and you feel great. Like the next time you see the person, you start laughing again, right? But what you want to think about is Hey, what is the aroma of my life? What do I leave? What's, what lingers in the room when I leave the room? What's the experience that people have? And what, what do they walk away with? So let's think about this. One of the biggest killers of any relationship at all is selfishness. Selfishness is completely like it's, it's arsenic to the soul. And it harms people. And it's very difficult to get over it and to forget it. I mean, I can remember things that people did to me in my 20s or when I was in high school. I can remember those things. So we want to be very responsible and very careful about people we're just meeting. We also want to be very careful and very responsible to the people we know well. So if I know that this would bug my husband, why would I do it? Why would I do that? This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about the aroma that you leave and attractiveness and selfishness and how they affect relationships. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And we are talking about attractiveness and what makes people actually really attractive. And so think about this. If you've ever watched the rehearsal process of a play, then you know just how powerful clothes are. Even in the very early stages of the project, professional actors will come to practice in certain clothing pieces that make them feel more like the character that they are portraying. Perhaps it's an old pair of shoes, a long heavy skirt, a bandana. You're right. it, It keeps up with your little swagger and grace, you know, or gives you an edge. And so what you want to think about is, what am I representing? How am I representing myself and I don't want us to be, you know, attempting, you know, we're not looking at popularity. We're not looking at, wow, then people will like me and all of that. But a lot of times when you work through this, they do like you better. And so I want you to think about what, what goes on with my interaction with people. And I don't want you to be afraid of what feedback you get. And many times when we interact with people, they don't know they're giving us feedback. See, we may see them start to kind of fidget or they kind of look away or they don't laugh at whatever it is that you said, you know, whatever that may be. And I don't want you to take it as I suck as a person. (laughs) Okay. I want you to say, those are good cues for me. And that helps me learn that doesn't make me a bad person. So as we go through many of these things, you want to think about what you're representing. And are you representing yourself appropriately? Or are you acting in a way that you think would help something or, or cause someone to have a certain kind of a feeling about you, but it's not genuine to you? And see, this is super important. Because when we are being deceitful with ourself, and I don't mean deceitful like you're going to rob somebody. What I'm talking about is, Am I not honoring who I am and the person that God made me to be? And that's where we go back to being your own best version. Are you the best version of you? And so when we think about things that happen that cause us to not be a good version of ourselves, what about this? See, unfaithfulness, a spouse that doesn't know about it disrespecting women, disrespecting men, you know, this, you know, being immature, being selfish, thinking that you're funny when you know that it's really not, that you're hurting people's feelings. So I want you to go back to this. The best tool you could have for interacting with other humans is this. Kindness, gentleness, mercy, flexibility, being a hard worker, noble because you're honest, loyal, and healthy. These types of things are so much better than just your appearance or your education or popularity. These are the things that cause people to relax around you, want to hang out with you, want to be with you. And so when we think about kindness, gentleness, mercy, flexibility, being noble, being honest, loyal, healthy, then let's look at the things that are the worst. Unfaithfulness, and the spouse doesn't know about it. Vulgar men, vulgar women, disrespectful men, immature people, selfish adults. How about these? The person that's acting like an idiot, an imbecile, or a moron. And you're thinking, why are you doing this? You're messing up the whole entire interaction. So we need to remind ourselves, if you are in a partnership with another human, you are a representative of that partnership. Think about how companies and their employees, and they hold them to a certain standard because when they leave the building, they still represent the company. And they don't want employees that defame or embarrass the company. So do you want to be attractive? Are you willing to put the work into being attractive? Are you struggling with immaturity and not knowing, you know, what is enough? And this means, you know, if you're immature about these things, that you're going to end up producing and giving off the wrong kind of aura that you're wanting. People are going to be confused. And so how we are remembered what is the experience that others have of us? It's the aroma of our life, and it leaves this, this lingering aroma when we walk out the door. And we want people to say, wow, I'm glad I met that person. This is not about a popularity contest. This is about you being who God created you to be and being able to affect positively people in your life. Because we are God's ambassadors. So join me in the next segment, and we'll talk more about this idea of being the best version of you. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and I really appreciate you joining in and listening to the show and telling your friends about it. I really appreciate that. And so we're talking today about, am I attractive? And what is attractiveness? And so we, we're, we want to consider that there are so many things that help you know, people know you or make judgments about you. And sometimes the judgments might be good. Sometimes they're not so good. So you see, research shows that you can tell a lot about someone's personality, their politics, their status, their age, their income, just from looking at a photo of their shoes. Now, you may have heard this before. See, when President Barack Obama addressed a crowd of working-class Americans, he would speak with no jacket, and his sleeves were rolled up. That silently and instantly communicated to the audience that he was a hard worker. So you might remember when there was a 44-page dress code published by the Swiss Bank, And it went viral. Okay. The obsessive stipulations detailing everything from the sensible, like if you wear a watch, it suggests you're reliable and punctuality is a great concern to you. I mean, things, you know, down to like the most invasive types of things. And so when you're dressing or grooming, consider what it says about you and whether it's the truth about you and consider if it's in line with the message that you want to communicate. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong. The right or wrong is about whether or not it's you. And so it's all about context. A tie can make you look more reliable, rooted in tradition. This might be important at an investment firm where clients want to know that there's that you're serious about stewarding their capital. But it can also give off a stuffy and resistant to change kind of a feeling, which may be inappropriate, for a tech startup. So your clothing impacts your thinking. Now, many of you may know that my undergraduate degree was in fashion merchandising and design and marketing, because I love fashion. I, I really do. And so I really learned quickly what that tells people about you. And so when you think about that your clothing impacts your thinking as well, See, of course, dressing smart is also important for your confidence and sense of self-empowerment. It makes you feel different. There's many studies about how people act if they're dressed up or if they're just crawling out of bed. And so your style does more than just send messages to your mind or to others. This new research shows it actually impacts how you think. See, professional dress, one study found increases abstract thinking and gives people a broader perspective so that a tie might actually be switching on your creativity button. The formality of clothing might not only influence the way others perceive a person, but how people perceive themselves. But that could influence decision-making in important ways through the influences or the processing of style. So professional attire creates social distance. When we are more socially distant, we tend to think in a more distant, abstract terms. In socially distant settings, we address people by their title, for instance, rather than a more intimate first name. And so even, you know, the the controlling for socioeconomic status, students wearing more formal clothing showed stronger inclinations toward abstract processing. And so think about these things in terms of, am I being honest to myself? If I'm dressing way down and everybody's dressing up and I'm somehow saying, you know, am I wanting to stick out like that? Am I being lazy? Am I afraid to show who I really am? And so these are important things for us to remember. That we all see that the world is a stage. And we want to make sure that we are being the person that God has created us to be. And so we want to say to ourselves, hey, I need to be a grown-up. I don't want to have, you know, regrets after I leave talking with you. I don't want to have regrets about what I've said. You know, I don't want the shoulda, coulda, woulda problem, you know. If you mess up, then apologize. Remember, whether you like it or not, you represent more people, places, and things than you may realize. So button it up, right? Be someone people want to know and be with. Honor your spouse, your kids, your parents, your company, your church, God, etc. Whether you like it or not, you represent more than you realize. You matter. You are seen, even when you are unaware. For example, I represent all women, all therapists, All Christians, parents, wives, right? I mean, this is, do you get the picture? People will be looking at me and I will be looking at them and we will be making determinations about the people. So this is what I want you to to remind yourself. Instead of feeling like, wow, this is heavy, this is big, I got to watch everything I do and everything, how I dress and these types of things. What I want you to think about is how are people Responding or reacting to you? Is it positive? Are you feeling like you're being honest with yourself? That you're not putting on something? That you're actually being who you truly are? And you can defend that? So let's think about this idea of things to give up if you want to be happy. Because happy people are always attractive people, all right? So how about... You give up the need to change to always be right. So you give up that need to always try to change what they're saying because you need to be right. How about give up the need for control by letting it go? You know, it all gets done. The world is is won by those who, who really let it go. So when you try and try, the world is beyond winning. See, we can't win all those things, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try. So give up the need for control as well. Let's let it go. Give up on blaming others. You know, a man can fall many times, but he isn't a failure until he begins to blame somebody else. I love that saying. A man can fi- fall many times But he hasn't and isn't a failure until he begins to blame someone else. How about this? Give up your self defeating self talk. The mind is a superb instrument if it's used rightly. If it's used wrongly, it becomes very destructive. How about this one? Give up your limiting beliefs. What does that mean? A belief is not the idea held by the mind. It's an idea that holds the mind. Think about that. Am I limiting myself? Or am I being unrealistic about what I think I should be able to do? I like this one. This is one of the best ways to be happy. (laughs) Give up complaining. You can complain because roses have thorns, or you can rejoice because thorns have roses. I love that saying by Christian D. Larson. So we really have the opportunity and the ability to make our inner world a safe place, a comfortable place, an honest place. Or we can go outside of ourselves and be constantly looking for all those feelings that we want to have that we can't seem to generate for ourselves. So give up the need to impress others. How about that, right? Don't try to impress others. Let them have the fun of impressing you. I think that's a wonderful thing. It's like stop trying to get all your needs met about whether or not you're okay. See, when we talk about adults, adults go into a situation with their ego in check. They know that they're probably not going to be the best, the brightest, the prettiest, the wealthiest, whatever. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But that's not what really matters. See, being healthy human beings means that I'm more interested in the person. I want to get to know that person. Why, what makes them tick? Why do they do that? How do they do that, right? So give up your resistance to change. You know, that that's really a limiting issue for most people, for all people actually, is that if I can't change, then I'm going to be dragged around all over my life because I'm not the one driving. And so we need to be able to say, hey, if I want to resist a change, I probably need to present my case. I probably need to say why. And if I have good reasoning behind it, then maybe we don't want to change what, was the, what someone was trying to make us change. But at least you're not resisting it just for the sake of resisting change. So let's give up labels, right? I mean, we have so many labels that we do with people. Sometimes they can be sweet. Sometimes they can be fun. Sometimes they can be endearing. Lots of times they're limiting. And so we want to be really careful about what we assume because it has a tendency to come true. And this is where we find out that we have all these false truths in our lives, right? Like one of the things that I uh, frequently talk about when it comes to this idea of, is that when I was growing up, my, my parents were very big on not being fat and I was always afraid I was going to be fat. So I became more anorexic, right? And so I thought that they'd be so proud of me because I had lost all this weight. And, and what I came to find was that it wasn't that my parents were concerned about my appearance. They were concerned about my body. They wanted my body to be able to carry me throughout my whole entire life. And so we want to think about this, that what am I really trying to do? What, what, is my, what in, in my gut am I either resisting or I'm attempting to change it? Or I want it really badly, even though it may not be good for me. So we want to consider the attractiveness piece for people has a lot to do with honesty, with acceptance, with willingness to forgive, a willingness to want to know who you are, even if I don't understand it, and to honor the fact that, I don't know, I guess that's who you think you are or who you want to be. I'm not going to tolerate really inappropriate behavior, because that's not me. It's not good for people. So I'm not going to tolerate that. That doesn't mean that other people might. And that's really, that's up to them. So let's look at this, this whole attraction piece. We need to remind ourselves, if you're in a partnership with another human, then you are representative of that partnership. So think about how companies hold their employees to a certain standard So that those employees don't defame or embarrass the company. See, this doesn't mean that we're not letting you be you. It means that I have a responsibility because I represent my husband, even if I'm not with him. And he represents me, even if he's not with me. So if he really messes up, or if I really mess up, it comes back on your partner, or your family, or your company, or your church, or your kids. So we need to really understand that we're not here alone, and it isn't all about us. That it's about all kinds of things that we really don't take into consideration. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to the next couple weeks with you, and have a wonderful, wonderful day. God bless you.
1: We hope this past hour has been encouraging